Hey, hey, my Eagle enthusiasts, this is Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Elevated events, majors, and more are coming up, and FanDuel is here to help you line up a win during the PGA Tour season. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. From The Ringer, I'm Tyler R. Times. When I spoke to NFL star Cam Newton in January, his mindset was clear. I want my whole career to be in Charlotte. Cam won't be getting that wish. He was released by the Carolina Panthers in March. Cam is a complex figure, and my interest in him goes far beyond his exuberant smile and transcendent style of play. Cam broke the glass ceiling in American athletics, ascending to a place in the sport that few black quarterbacks have ever reached, making his fall that much more dramatic. Over the past year, I've traveled the country speaking to coaches and teammates, friends and family, reporters, and even briefly to the man himself, trying to unravel the enigma that is Cam Newton. I uncover contradictions at every turn. How can the hardest worker on the team be depicted as a bad leader? And how can a franchise icon with the NFL MVP and Super Bowl appearance on his resume be so abruptly cast aside? The Ringer NFL Show presents The Cam Chronicles. The series premieres Monday, July 13th. and welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, we have done it. We are rolling along. This is Fairway Roll in the golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Birdie buddies, we have been rolling along. The PGA Tour has been delivering incredible events with incredible outcomes this week with perhaps the most incredible outcome. The playoff between Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas was scintillating 
the homie Nate Hubbard is on as always our PGA tour correspondent on the ground. And we have an extraordinary and special occasion to get together with a handful of guys that are sharing a house. They've been together now for over a week, three professional golfers, Max Homa, Joel David, and Mark Hubbard are on the pod sharing with us their experiences last week in the Workday Charity, their upcoming expectations for this week, what they've been seeing on tour, how they're navigating the bubble. It's an unbelievable conversation with those guys. We're very appreciative. Nate and I are going to talk about a bunch of storylines, including a certain player who's back. That's right. El Tigre is in the mix. The first tee is open. Let's go throw a peg in the turf and get it going with Nathan Hubbard. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts, as we do each week, we are joined by the PGA Tour correspondent, the boots on the ground, Nathan Hubbard. What's happening, my brother? House, this is going to be an awesome week. Let's go. You know, I'm living that golf life right now. Are you playing any golf? I am playing very limited golf. I've been playing more golf now than I did when California was in complete lockdown. But I'm playing uh, enough to be angry 20 to 30% of my day. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is like, I believe, a very good outdoor activity. It's built for social distancing um, across the industry. I'm seeing reports of incredible traffic from the manufacturers, incredible traffic in terms of rounds. Dick Sporting Goods gave an interview to uh, Golf Digest uh, recently about, you know, their the success of their curbside pickup, that they're doing fittings. Like, you know, this moment that the industry is having as, you know, uh, the combination of an outdoor activity that you can do with other people in a socially distanced and and safe manner, plus the professional tour being kind of the only uh, game in town in terms of you know what what's on sports on television other than NASCAR. Pretty good moment here for golf, right? And you know why this moment in particular is great, House? It's because Tiger Woods is currently on the course playing his practice round. Oh, yeah. We're recording this on on a on the first part of of Tuesday, July the fourteenth. You know, we're gonna do this week in in Tiger Woods with the sound effects and everything because it's been a long time since we've been able to do this week in in Tiger Woods, Nate. I'm very excited for for, for what we have in store. Me too. Uh, we got to get to the report of how the practice round is going, but uh, let's get into it. So we have to start with some superlatives around the outstanding, the terrific experience of this past weekend's tournament, the Workday charity event at Muirfield Village, where Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas ended up in a playoff that only those of us fortunate enough to have an outstanding Wi-Fi connection were able to watch live. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. There's so much complaining about it. Let's go. Old people, get online. It's the future. I, I, I think it's, it's fine um, that the tour and its partner, CBS, you know, um, had to deal with, you know, pushing out the, the, the product 
by means other than on readily, easily available television, because you know they there are a bunch of streaming products uh, that the tour has collaborated on with its broadcast partners. The the challenge is you require you ask the golf audience to jump onto streaming, right? They showed two hours on the golf channel and then stopped and then said, basically, if you want to keep watching, you got to jump over to the streaming. And a lot of people are adept at that, right? If you have Apple TV or Roku or a fire stick, you can stream from your computer right onto your TV, or you can just watch it on your computer or, or your phone. But, you know, I think the complaint from the viewing public, and this does kind of resonate, is like, bro, this is the only game in town. This is a terrific tournament. It's Sunday. The competition is hot. It's great golfers. Why are we jumping around between viewing options? I'll tell you why. Because some guy with a title like Assistant Vice President of Business Development at the tour did a deal that didn't contemplate what happens when it rains in the afternoon and we have to move up tee times. That's it. This is not a function of anything other than lack of foresight in the negotiation of rights. And let's hope that in the future, they're going to learn from this because we're all screaming out loud about how hard it is to watch what was an amazing duel down the stretch between the guy who has won the most over the past four years and the guy who everybody thinks is going to be the guy for the next four years. Who, you know, we just got to talk about Morikawa's resiliency to start because if you remember his first win, this is his second win, more wins than PGA Tour cuts, but his first win came after he, you know, after he lost to Wolf at the 3M in Minneapolis, right? He came back and won the Barracuda at Reno the next week. Well, we saw him lose in that playoff at Colonial to Daniel Berger, and he's just hung around and only a couple weeks later comes back and wins. And so that's one of the understated things about this victory is it shows he can take a punch and keep going. Yeah, let's let's do some some context. You mentioned the fact that he has more wins than missed cuts. That puts him in very rarefied air. Only only uh, Tiger Woods. You know, Morikawa is the first player since Tiger Woods in 1996 to win his second PGA Tour title before missing his second cut as a pro. Now. This is a Justin Ray stat. Tiger won 43 times before his second miscut on the PGA Tour. <laughs> I don't think Colin was going to hit that number, but you know, we, we, I won't. I won't throw it out. I won't. I don't dismiss it out of hand. I, I, he's already striking the ball better than anybody on tour. And we said last week, coming out of the pod, this is going to be a second shot golf course. And the last day was about the two guys who rank highest on the PGA Tour in shots gained on approach. And, you know, on Twitter, Sean Martin pointed out that, that Morikawa gained 5.9 strokes on approach in the final round. That's the most by any winner in recorded history, which is really since 2004 when they started shot track. But by almost half a shot. And when you couple that with the fact that in almost every category, Morikawa is in the hundreds, mid hundreds to 200th on tour from a bunch of distances, including the short ones. He's 124th in putting inside 10 feet. He's 145th from four to eight feet. I mean, the guy still hasn't figured out how to putt yet, but he's just absolutely striping it out there. 
Yeah, we, we have Morikawa. I think he slid in ahead of Tiger. He's 13th in the world golf ranking, one spot ahead of, of Tiger. But the, the point you made about the quality of his ball striking, and it is it is terrific, right? Jack Nicholas himself has said Muirfield Village is a second shot golf course, and we have the first, second, and third-ranked players on tour the last two seasons in strokes-gained approach. That's the ball-striking metric. Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland. That was our first, second, and third-place finishers at the event this past weekend. And and the true shame, and I don't want to put it in a cast any, any of this in, in a negative light, but the only like sort of regret about having to consume the golf tournament streaming is that it deprived the, the, the sporting public writ large of an absolutely outstanding playoff between Thomas and Morikawa. The first playoff hole between those two guys, Justin Thomas hit a 50-plus foot Putt and Colin Morikawa came right back and dropped a, a 20 foot plus putt right on top of it. They both birdied the first playoff hole to keep the playoff going. It required Justin Thomas down the stretch, you know, for that playoff to occur. Justin bogeyed two of the final three holes. I mean, the drama was the tippy top notch of, 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 of golf drama and really, you know, sports drama at, at the moment. So, uh, you know, that that's the only kind of t- t- tough aspect of not just having it on regular TV and having sports fans go nuts for it uh, across the country as it was happening. Well, I mean, can we talk about that roar from JT when he drained the 50-footer? He just screamed, come on. And it made perfect sense as a thing to do when you're surrounded by fans on that ball on 18. But like you just heard it like reverberating around the bowl with this little polite applause from the volunteers and like Ricky Fowler, who was standing out there drinking a dark and stormy, assuming that Justin wasn't going to blow a three-shot lead coming in. And, And so CBS just kept playing it from all these angles. And it was weird. It was a little fratty. Like, it just seemed a little out of place. And it was the first time I really wanted them to stop letting us in. Like, it was a little cringeworthy. And that was before Colin drained a 24-footer on top of him and gave just a little silent fist pump. So that moment does not age particularly well, given what happened down the stretch. And I got to ask you, House, because you said he bogeyed two of the last three coming in. The three would got kind of squirrely on him on a bunch of those shots, including going into the playoff. Yeah, last fall coming out of the nine bridges, the CJ Cup at nine bridges, he was eight of 11 with a 54-hole lead, and we were talking about him as the best closer in golf, JT we were. He's now eight of 13. He came into the Tour Championship last year with a two-stroke lead, didn't win. In 2019, he lost a four-stroke lead in the last round at Riviera. And to, and this week, he was at Jack's place three up with three to go. What's going on? It depends on whether you want to be glass half full or glass half empty with this, right? The wheels came off for JT at the very beginning of this final round, right? I mean, he, he, went, he opened up bogey-bogey. He had a three-stroke lead Sunday, uh, you know, and, and managed to correct 
uh, direction, reposition. He hit a, 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 a one stiff on eight, and then and then ripped off four straight birdies. He eagled fifteen. Just a dominant shot on fifteen. Just an all timer five wood. An all timer yeah. five wood. He annihilated his drive, and an all timer five wood threw himself up there by three strokes, and, and it's over at that point, right? Well, you know, but so here's the thing, right? Part of of what we're going to cover today is the challenge of Muirfield, right? So we we uh, have the guys on Max Homa, Mark Hubbard, and Joel Damon. And part of the revelation of that conversation with those guys is the dramatic difference in challenge that Muirfield Village represents to these guys compared to the venues that they've been playing to date. And, it, it, you know, they, the, the way that they characterize it, it's, it's kind of a shocking difference, right? Like it, the tiniest of error. It's so easy to make, make a bogey there. But the, the other thing is like, yeah, got to tip your, your cap a little bit to, to Morikawa. For for you mentioned his resiliency. I mean, the, you know, being down three going into sixteen, and you know, he 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 knocks one stiff himself on sixteen and hangs in there. Um, you know, to 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 force the playoff. So I'm not, you know, the JT thing. He is. I'm not going to qu- quite equate him to Phil Mickelson as a risk taker, but you know. Shot by shot, he it does feel like you know there, there there is an equal chance of brilliance and disappointment. Like in in each swing, uh, it, it feels like with JT. I think you're right. I think that's part of why this drama was fun. We have a new bit of drama in golf. The old drama in golf was Tiger Woods kicking the crap out of everybody and just marveling at the dominance. But even Bryson's win last week, he kind of got a little squirrely and shaky down the stretch. And DJ did not give us a smooth path to victory, right? None of these guys just absolutely take a tomahawk hammer and put the nail in the coffin when they're in the lead. And so that's part of why this was fun. Even Morikawa's little 18-incher on 18 to get into the playoff did a swirly world around the around the cup before falling in, and it just harkened back to, to his miss at, at Colonial. So, uh, so I'm okay with the imperfections in these golfers, but we got to, we got to, learn to live with them because it's going to be part of that drama going forward. We do not have absolute and complete dominant killers, even as we have these generational talents starting to show themselves like Thomas and Morikawa. Yeah, that is part of, I think, the the real privilege of the moment that we're having in professional golf right now with this compressed schedule, the terrific fields the the um, challenge is just relentless. You cannot let up for one moment, one instance, one swing because the field is too good. The guys that are right on your heels are too good. Nobody's going out there and just running away with it. Bryson came kind of the closest, I I, I guess, but even he, you know, needed to to um, you know close it out in 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 you know dominant birdie. Uh, par birdie f- fashion to really, you know, sh- 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 slam the door on anybody coming up from from behind. And, you know, I, I just think this is the way it is. It, this is the new normal. And the guys are too good. 
And that's why, as we look forward to this week, I mean, this is like a Stefan sketch on Saturday Night Live. The Memorial has everything, right? We got the hardest setup since the restart. We have the strongest field ever for a non-major. We got Beefy Bryson on a course that he's won at a couple years ago. They serve milkshakes, so who knows? He might he might come in at 320 uh, by the time he tees off on Thursday. Tiger's back as a five-time winner. Maybe JT's seeking revenge from last week. Rory's like, hey, don't forget about me. I'm still the best player in the world. We got pressing Brooks Kepka, who committed and then decommitted, and then when he missed the cut, recommitted to the Memorial. Webb Simpson with a chance to be number one, depending on how things go this week. Uh, we got everything except Adam Scott, who... Does he even know that golf has restarted? <laughs> Where is Adam Scott? He has the best life. Let's just be honest. Like you, 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 know, you can't get me to say anything bad about Adam Scott. He's 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 gorgeous. He, he's he's got his surf life. He's Australian. The best accent ever. Terrific wife. Terrific kids. He's just the best. He has a Twitter account that he's never tweeted from. I think he maybe has no internet or cell phone and people forgot to call him to tell him golf restarted. <laughs> I mean, I just can't hate on him. I just have to tip my hat. That's all. Well, we're going to miss him this week, but that's the only thing that we're going to miss because the field is awesome. Well, let's let's go ahead. You know what we're not going to miss is this week in Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods! <laughs> So let, let's do it, Nate. I mean, we have been waiting patiently and we had a little taste. Feels like, you know, six months ago, it was only six weeks ago, really, of Tiger with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. And he looked pretty good at medalist. He looked pretty in form. He had the best golf game of anybody there in terms of the consistency. And maybe some of that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cut Phil a little break that it was Tiger's home course and Tiger knows the lines and Tiger's very comfortable at home. But physically, the takeaway was he looks comfortable. His body looks good. He didn't get after it too hard. He hit a bunch of fairways in regulation so that's that's the only thing we've seen of him of him today. He's been very patient. Uh, the speculation was that he might come back for Harbor Town because he took his gigantic boat that's basically like an, you know the size of a village and rolled it up the coast there to the South Carolina area. But he didn't end up playing. He it seems like he wanted to just let things sort themselves out in terms of protocols and you know how the bubble's operating and all of that and have himself in in. Good physical shape. What do you expect to see out of Tiger Woods this week? Well, we have seen one other little bit of him, and that is this morning. He played practice round with JT, and he was spraying his drives this morning into opposite tee boxes. And so <laughs> the question is whether JT has spread the spread the disease onto Tiger from, from Sunday's drive spraying show down the stretch. Or if, uh, you know, he was just looking for some strange lines. That's the only bit of intel that we have. Look, the last time we saw him, I, I saw him in person at the Genesis, and it was pretty clear he was hurting. He, he was there really only, I think, in hindsight, because he was the de facto host of that event and really had to make a showing. But he was not in good physical condition. And so there was reason for concern 
uh, heading in. And, and as we know, he skipped the players, everything shut down, and, and here we are. I'm with you. He looked great. Uh, this is a place he's won five times. He, he won, you know, m- most recently in 2012 when he was uh, having an okay year. He only won three times that year um, before he really got into physical and, and probably also, if we're honest, mental uh, rehabilitation. Um, I think there's no doubt that this guy's going to make the cut this week. But boy, is it hard to think about him inserting himself into the mix with these young guns having not really played a tournament and 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 winning. Can he win this week, House? I don't think so. I think it's right to keep our, our expectations modest, even with all of his familiarity and all of the magic that he possesses as it relates to his experience here and what he's able to draw upon and everything, even with all of that, I think we've seen over these past, you know, four or five weeks that there is a rust factor, even for the very, very, very best. Like Brooks Kepka is still finding his way. Now he shot six under over the last 10 holes. Brooks did uh, on this venue uh, at, on Friday to uh, miss the cut on the number. Uh, I mean, he almost battled his way all the way back in, but I just think like that competitive rust factor uh, combined with the quality of the guys that have been playing week in and week out, that's what's going to, you know, necessarily keep our expectations for El Tigre a little modest at this moment. And I think we've got to contextualize it in how he's thinking about the next two months of golf. Yes, he cares about the memorial. He loves the course, but he's thinking about exactly five tournaments. The PGA Championship at Harding Park in the first weekend of August. That's the next time we're going to see him after the Memorial. This is really a warm-up for that. No no tune-up from him at the WGC, you don't think? Maybe he plays there. Let's see how he feels coming out of this week. But he really cares about the PGA. He's going to care about the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship those three weeks in August. And then he's going to care about the U.S. Open in September. So he's really trying to, to, to build himself up for that. And, and as we know, Tiger usually peaks after on the third week, right? So, so maybe he does go play WGC uh, in Memphis so that he comes into the PGA uh, at his best. Well, it's a great point. I think we're, you know it's likely we're going to only see him another six or seven times max for the rest of the year, honestly, yes. including this week because... The you know he's he's going to play the PGA Championship. He plays this week the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open. He's going to play the Masters, right? We're going to have a Masters. Yep. He's going to play the Masters, and then one or two others. And the, those other other two are probably the playoff events, so that he ensures that he's inside the top thirty for the field, so he can go play the Tour Championship in Atlanta. Yeah, he he's the defending champ at the Zozo, but it's not clear that the Asian swing is going to happen this year. There's some rumblings that they're going to take those tournaments and play them in the U.S., um, which, you know, seems a little weird when you compare the actual number of COVID cases, but we'll see what they do. Um, but, but it, it, you know, if he plays a fall schedule, it will just be probably out of, uh, as either a defending champion or, or a little bit of tune-up. We're, he's really only thinking about those few handful of tournaments that matter to him at this point. FedEx is, is for pride and money, and, 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 and the majors, as we know, is for legacy. And it, it does feel like a kind of extraordinary opportunity um, with the way the schedule's kind of compressed and with the Ryder Cup sort of dropping out as a thing that would detract from 
his energy and and perhaps affect, you know, the level of play and everything. That being off the table, I think really does set up great for him as he sits here today, July the 14th, and says, there are three majors coming up and I want to win all three. Well, I, I agree with you. This tournament is really fun this week because it's the litmus test for these events that are yet to come. It's the litmus test for what are we going to see at the PGA? And then a few weeks later, the FedEx for 15 damn million dollars. And then two weeks after that, the US Open. This is the first time that we've had everybody except handsome internetless Adam Scott, who is possibly going to contend in the field. And I think we're going to learn a hell of a lot about whose game is ready for this sprint down the stretch. Yeah, well, I'm going to, I want one other uh, topic as it relates to, to Tiger. And it's something that we touched on with the homie Homa and with Homeless Hubs and with uh, Dapper Damon. And it is this. What is your take on Tiger playing in a fanless environment? Is it a net positive? Is it a net negative? Does it matter? Does it help him? Does it help the field? What's your view on on Tiger playing without fans? You know, uh, let's see what the ratings are like uh, because most of his fans have always been at home. Uh, I think for, for Tiger personally, there's no doubt that that guy draws energy off the crowd. And in fact, at the memorial, he has done that probably here, you know, as many times as any other course there that exists. So it will be interesting to see him do it, but we've seen him play, you know, listen, he, he, he won with no fans when he came back, uh, uh, and won the Zozo, right? So he has done this before and I expect that, uh, he's going to be in peak form. I think for the other players, man, they don't get the benefit of the tiger roars, which for some guys, it just absolutely melts them down. For some guys, it can energize them. You know, what we heard from the three guys who we've got on coming up is, quite frankly, they're a little bit in awe of the guy, and they'll actually be watching him play because they're not going to be 20 deep. Uh, the fans won't be blocking your view. So, you know, whether that helps or hurts guys, keeps them distracted, we'll see. Without the roars on the course, you got to imagine maybe it's a net boost for his competition. Uh, because it seems like Tiger brings it every time he shows up. I mean, I, I I have to agree with you. I do think that there is an element to Tiger's myst- mystique is maybe not the right word, but you know he he is able to intimidate through the crowd, right? I mean, if he gets hot on on Sunday, it has historically been the case that the other guys out on the golf course can hear that happening. The entire sort of traveling, uh, uh, I don't know if, if it's a circus, it's a giant tiger mob that walks with him. Any Anybody that's that's been to a tournament that he's played in knows exactly what, what I'm talking about. If you actually attended it and walked with the tiger group, it's an enormous group that's that completely dwarfs every other uh, group um, following any other threesome or twosome. And I, you know... This first tournament isn't really the one where you would say we're not we just don't expect much out of Tiger. And I think, you know, these guys that have been playing for several weeks, um, I think would be relatively impervious to it anyway. But, you know, that the that that's just out of the mix altogether. And it's gonna be out of the mix through the tour championship. They've already they've announced there are not gonna be any fans. And I think that's a great, you know, decision, by the way. 
Th- th- thank God they've done that. I mean, how do we feel about his grouping? He's playing with Rory and Brooks. And you look at that threesome and go, Kepka, if he can't get mentally focused now, sitting at 156th in the FedEx Cup with, you know, five events to go or whatever, uh, not, not even, like, how do, you know, can Tiger snap Brooks out of his funk and get him playing the way he should? You know, that's going to be more interesting than really what happens with or without fans. The the Tiger effect on Brooks Kepka's latent, uh, you know, no-show golf of late is the thing I'm looking forward to seeing. I just think that's rust with Brooks. I mean, think about how much golf he's played since the since it's been t- 2020, right? He had to, to withdraw from the President's Cup last December because of his knee injury. And then he came back, you know, still in kind of rehab mode, didn't play great golf at the events that he played. And then they shut the whole thing down. He should be a beneficiary of of all of this. I just think what we're seeing out of Brooksy so far is is rust. And I think the six under over the last 10 holes that he shot uh, this past Friday, that's the version of Brooks that I'm anticipating as we come in here, I think his, his, I don't, I don't think it's a lack of intention, uh, attention or a lack of will at this moment. I just think it's regular old competitive golf rust combined with how good everybody else is. He, he's not, you know, walking into cuts. The, the, the cut line every week is two under or three under or four under. You got to have some game to, to make the cut at this moment um, in, in competitive golf. And he just has not been all the way there, but I uh, 600 through 10 holes on this golf course. I kind of like that trend, Nathan. I hear you. He called out Bryson a bit. He, he subtweeted Bryson a bit on Tuesday. Then he didn't quite get all the way through to the weekend. We heard he wasn't going to play the weekend. And then suddenly he jumps back in I feel like he's pressing a little bit. I feel like he knows he's got to deliver. So we complain about Brooks, not because of his performance in the majors, but because he doesn't seem to care or show up outside of the majors. Well, he's going to miss the FedEx Cup if he does not deliver possibly a couple top tens down the stretch in these last few tournaments. I don't expect to see him in Reno. I don't expect to see him uh, you know, in North Carolina in the last event of the year. So it's really going to be WGC. It's going to be the PGA. And it's going to be this week that has got to get him into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Okay. Well, we, we, we've we been dancing around a little bit. It's time for us to go ahead and name some names. Uh, this is, you know, the Memorial Tournament. The field's down to 133. It's typically 120, but they've expanded the field a little bit to accommodate, you know, the the fact that there isn't a lot of competitive golf out there. And I, I applaud Jack and the folks um, behind that decision to open up the field a little bit. We've got a terrific international c- contingent. Go ahead. I just, my only, my only complaint is I think they gave a bunch of sponsor exemptions to guys who are not going to help the the cause, you know, at the expense of some of the interesting stories that we got in the restart. Like, I do not need to see KJ Choi play uh, this week. I don't need to see Carl Peterson. Like, at the expense of Sahith Tagala, the Nicholas Award winner, at the expense of Will Gordon, who we talked about last week, who's had a really interesting uh, couple of weeks. So I do wish that they had not expanded the field to bring in some of the uh, older deadweight on the tour that's hanging on for the dollars who will be exiting 
on Friday night. But other than that, I'm with you. I don't mind them growing the field so that so that we get a great tournament this week. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind seeing the old school guys, guys who have established a track record and have whatever connection they have to Jack. I'm fine with it. Who are you looking at? It's an incredible field. It's impossible to try and, and you know, pick this the DFS this week. Now, a whole bunch of guys. The interesting thing with DFS through the first handful of, of, of events here is that it's super hard to pick six guys to make the cut. Um, and, you know, th- this field does not. Now, the, the, the fact that the field's shrinking down means that more guys will make the cut because we have top 65 in ties. So the 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 you know the size of the field that's going to actually make the cut is going to go up. It's going to be closer to fifty percent, where the guys making the cut has been closer to forty percent to date. But you know, I just feel like the right way to approach this is just to name some names of some guys that we sort of like that are in form that you know uh, might be a little bit. You know, we it's obvious to mention all the you say Bryson and DJ, the guys that have won right. so far. But like, right. you know, what are what are some interesting names to you? Well, Muirfield smacked us upside the head last week and said, go for the guys who uh, do well on their approach shots. That's what this course is about. And we know that this week they've let the rough grow longer, so it's going to get even more difficult and penalize those guys who are not as accurate on approach. We know they're not going to put the tees up on 14, unfortunately, because they did that this past week, and it made it a super fun set of strategic choices for guys to it was either awesome. go for Absolutely the green awesome. And, and I really wish that they would do that you know, Saturday or something, but I, it doesn't sound like that's coming down the stretch. But the main point is, if you drift away from the ball striker in this tournament, you're generally going to lose. So down ticket value, I mean... You know, Patrick Cantlay shot a 65 on Sunday. You you looked at final round performance. You t- talk about Brooks. Patrick Cantlay won this tournament last year. He played great on Sunday. I mean, if you're going to look at an outright winner, you, you can't look past him. But further down, if you're thinking about fantasy value, Jason Duffner, he's on FanDuel right now for $7,700. He won this three years ago. He's got an unbelievable wedge game. Uh, on a week in which the rough is, this will be the hardest setup that they've faced since the restart. So that looks like a value pick. Emiliano Grillo, he's 13th in strokes gained on approach right now across the whole tour. You can get him for $8,000 on FanDuel. So there's a couple guys like that. You know, our guys coming up, uh, Damon and Homa, are both uh, 8,300 8, on FanDuel right now. You can get them at a pretty decent value. And it sounds like as they'll, as they'll take us through, they learned a lot from the course last week, and both those guys are due for breakout. So there's some value down ticket that you can get if you really focus on the metric that seems to matter on this course, and that's ball striking. Yeah, I, I'm going to mention uh, a couple guys that fit that category as well. I'm glad you mentioned Cantlay. I'm on Cantlay this week. I loved the 65 that he shot on Sunday. I think he's back. Like all the competitive rust that he needed to knock off, he did. He finished tied seventh with that 65. I mean, he he showed us that he's he's all the way back. He loves this golf course. I love Cantlay for this week. I, I'm going to keep riding Victor Hovland. I mean... He, his short game is so befuddling, but he is now um, led strokes gain T to green for three consecutive weeks, and nobody has done that in the history of strokes gain T to green. So, I mean, the ball striking is incomparable. That's stat. That's my boy Pat Mayo. Got to give a shout out. Um, and you know his his problem is he keeps losing 
strokes putting. He's not been putting for shit. Uh, you know, since since he's been back, he's been grinding. He's played every event since the restart. His trend line is exceptional. He lost strokes gained putting 1.4 strokes on the on the greens and and came in third. Gonna keep just just riding him. I mean, you know, if you like top tens, Vic Hovland is is a pretty good bet. We also just because he, he took a little time off, Abraham answer was in sensational shape, you know, uh, post-restart. Tied 14th, second, tied 11th, and his ball striking is insane. He is tops in strokes gained approach since golf has, has come back from this proximity range, 150 to 175. And that's a crucial yardage on this golf course because of the length of the par fours. Um, uh, across Muirfield Village. So, answer another guy, Hoblin, and answer two guys that I like. And then, just to name names, we I uh, definitely subscribe to recency bias. <laughs> I am a victim of it. But we just watched Gary Woodland play some pretty damn good golf, and his big problem since the restart was driver, and he went uh, he 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 made a driver switch. He had been uh, you know experimenting with uh, I think it was a ping driver. And he took that 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 ping. He just couldn't get comfortable with it. The old Wilson, the old trusted Wilson, is back. We got a T five out of Gary Woodland on this uh, golf course. Gained almost uh, a full stroke off the tee in this event, and and he putted great. Um, I like you know it, 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 he's second in in total driving and strokes gained approach. He's he's twelfth. So Gary Woodland, we just saw him. He was right there doing some great things. Kevin Streelman, another guy, loves this golf course, was on the leaderboard for a good stretch of, 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 of this tournament, tied seventh. Uh, he finished and he shot even par on Sunday. Could have, would have, should have been a little bit better maybe. Uh, and then Billy Horschel, and a, a top 10 finish last week. The price uh, feels right to me. He looks like you can get him for around 7,500. Uh, putted his ass off and the short game that he has, if he shows any kind of form at all there, uh, Billy Ho is, is another guy just sort of rounding out a card. Well, that's a good slate. We think we know what golf is telling us from last week because we got a preview at Muirfield. You know, the only other thing to remember is the greens are going to be way faster. And so we think it's a second shot golf course, but these are going to be the smoothest, plushest, fastest greens that these guys have seen in months and months and months. So who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll end up being the guy with the hot putter who finishes. Well, I, I feel like it's stupid to have a whole conversation and not talk about Colin Morikawa, the guy who who just won and who's the best ball striker in the world at the moment. You know, we'll see Tiger, the best historical ball striker, <laughs> uh, you know, ever. Got to give a shout out to Morikawa. You got to play him at least as a top 10. I think for sure. And he's playing with Bryson and, and Cantlay in the first two days. So that's going to be one to watch to see those guys you know, the last last two winners, uh, really the last three winners at the course, uh, last two winners of the Memorial and, and Morikawa from last week, all of whom seem to be in peak form. Let's do a quick 10 seconds on the incredible bulk. I mean, I maybe we'll come up with a sound effect for this uh, this week in Bryson because it is such a phenomenon. And the question each time we go to a venue um, you know, that even a venue he's won here before, 
But now every time that we we go to a new event that he's playing in, we want to try and do a little uh, forecasting. What are his lines going to be like? How how is he going to try and attempt to shorten up this golf course through this newfound power that he has? Now the the indication is the tee boxes are going to be back at at Muirfield Village, you know, sort of restored to the traditional memorial, the tough, uh, long distance kind of uh, tee boxes. And the fairways here are not like super narrow. So what do you think about, about the incredible bulk this week? Well, that's why I was hoping they'd move the tees a little further up on 14 so we could see that. I'm not sure he's going to pick any crazy lines this week. I think the reason Bryson's scary is he obviously knows how to win here. He won in a playoff two years ago. And now he's going to be hitting two clubs less into what is, again, told us a second shot golf course. So uh, while his wedge game has been pretty uh, mediocre of late, in spite of how great he's been playing, he just took a bunch of time off. Presumably he restored his body physically. He posted some more nice long Instagram videos of him absolutely swinging out of his shoes in somebody's garage. I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot of creativity mixed in with his length this week versus what you just said, which is fairways that are pretty forgiving. He's going to bomb the hell out of it. And now he's going to be hitting wedge instead of a longer iron into pins that uh, are some of the more traditional pins at Muirfield. Last week, we saw some pretty insane breaking putts in part because of the non-traditional pin placements. I think this week, we may have less rollers and breakers, but uh, but those putts, if you're going to have them, have to you know the, the shot coming in has to be way more precise. All right, I'm going to ask you to give me a winner and a score. I'm going to pick Patrick Cantlay, and I'm going to pick him at 16 under. Oh, okay, interesting. I'm going to pick Bryson DeChambeau, and I'm going to pick him at 20 under. I. I mm. it's, it's absolutely doable. I will be really disappointed if the score this week is lower than last week. If the winning score this week, I I really want to see a course that plays like not a major, but like an onboarding tournament to these great majors that we have in front of us. I will say this part of my calculus in terms of that score prediction is, is just thunderstorm season. You know, we had two weather delays um, with the workday. It's just impossible for them to get this course completely dry at this time of year in, in Ohio. So I just, you know, try as they, as they will, um, to put it in, in shape, you know, firm shape. I just think, you know, the, the mother nature always inter- intervenes. And I think, you know, the quality of, of, of scoring so far this year has been so gosh, darn incredible with this field. I just feel like it's going to take a 20 under kind of score to win in any event we have coming up. An incredible segment, live professional golfers, Nathan Hubbard. It's it's uh, it's ratings week here on Fairway Rolling, and we have three donkeys who missed the cut last week to uh, tell <laughs> us how how the, how great they're going to play the coming week. Through no fault of their own, Nate, we did probably put the whammy. I I talked about Joel Damon. I talked about Max Homa as guys that I liked coming into the, the the Workday Charity Tournament because of their ball-striking acumen. I have a policy of trying not to talk about your brother, uh, Homeless that. Hubs, Mark Hubbard, 
because I am superstitious, I am a man who likes to allocate some capital and I just try and be very humble when it comes to, to guys that I'm, I'm in my guts rooting for. So, um, you know, I, I do spread a little on, on homeless, but we try and keep it, uh, you know, keep it very, very, very quiet and calm as it relates to him. But this conversation is, uh, terrific. Some real eye openers. It's three guys who are in that middle tier of the tour that we've been exposed to during this restart in ways that we never would have been able to before because of the mics that are on them, because of some of the ways the tournaments have laid out. So we get an insight into A, how they're playing, B, how they think about what it's like to be a player just out of that limelight on tour. And then C, you know, we joke about the, 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 the fact that they didn't have great weeks last week, but you really see what's inside the mind of a player who is learning every single round. You get better even when you miss a cut. Sometimes you learn more when you miss a cut than when you don't. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys take the learnings from last week and apply it to what they do this week. Yeah, it, outstanding observation. We're going to take a quick break and then come on with Joel Damon, Mark Hubbard, and the homie, Max Homa. All right, birdie buddies, quick word from our good friends at FanDuel. As you know, my par-saving pals, Tiger is back. That means we are in for an epic weekend of golf. You know that I am excited. I know that you're excited. Let's all celebrate with a little capital. Let's allocate a little capital on the FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sports betting site for a reason it's easy to use simple intuitive app that makes it easy to find the bet you're looking for fast payouts they're not taking your cash and holding it hostage you can get your cash back in as little as 24 hours why because it's the right thing to do it's your money when you win it more ways to bet i love how inventive they're doing spreads parlays money lines over unders props in-game bets and as mentioned, that beautiful, easy-to-use app. Right now, the thing for you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Check out that app yourself. Be sure to sign up using the Rollin promo code. That's R-O-L-L-I-N. What you get with that is an exclusive $500 risk-free bet. We've talked about it a few weeks before. You make the bet up to 500 bucks. You don't have to bet all 500 if you if you don't. If you hit it, you get it. If you don't hit it, you're not at any loss. I am loving Tiger Woods to make the cut this week. As you know, my par-saving pals, you must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado first online real money wager only the refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days restrictions apply you can see the full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER that's 1-800-GAMBLER if you got a gambling issue and par saving pals if you got a gambling problem you can call 1-800-GAMBLER to get a little help in west virginia you can visit www.1800gambler.net in indiana you call 1-800-9 with 
it, that's W-I-T-H-I-T, or if you're in Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I want to uh, uh, begin this podcast with an apology because, uh, and that that's a pretty rare thing. I don't, we don't often get on here and say sorry to anybody. We were very excited. Nathan had an inclination last week that you guys might be available. We knew about the house. We thought you might be available to come on the pod. We got excited. And on last week's show, I actually gave out Joel Damon and Max Homa as as picks, my picks of the week for last week's workday charity event. How'd it go? <laughs> I mean, all I can say is, Joel, was that your worst two days as a professional playing golf? At least he finished. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably. Uh, it didn't, I think I think I played better than I scored. Um. <laughs> I think uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be afraid of me this week. Let's just say that uh, I hope I didn't scare you guys off. Well, what, what I'll say is a lot of podcasts, a lot of folks in this golf biz try and do this like bump, right? Like, oh, we had the guy uh, on, and then he went out and kicked ass. And I'm very concerned. We we were, you know, we had you guys last week, and it, our bump went in the wrong direction. We have a chance to 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 correct uh, the course right now. So uh, we're. Not going to give out any of you guys for this upcoming week. I think we learned our lesson. Yeah. Um, in all, I mean, in all seriousness, I don't think any of us really know what happened because I, I think we'd all say we actually feel pretty good about our games <laughs> right now. And like I said, we were very responsible for the first five days and it just all backfired. Part of why we gave out Joel and, and uh, Max was because there's a bunch of great trend lines. You guys have been playing pretty great. And this, you know, the reputation at Muirfield is, you know, ball strikers kind of venue. Both you guys have great analytics in the ball striking category. Homeless, I, the only reason that, that we didn't include you is because <laughs> you, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm, I'm nothing if not, uh, um, I, I just don't want to put the whammy on you. I'm not, yeah, I'm not. No. <laughs> I hear you. I think, I think, Don't I think worry, honest, he put the whammy on himself yeah. the last couple of days. Yeah. I think we all just learned how hard Mirfield is this week more than anything. Cause you're right. We all have been playing well. I haven't particularly been hitting it great, but I've been playing my face off and these are the best greens that we've played all year and they've been hitting it well. And just none of us kind of conquered it, but it, 
the margin of error out there compared to the first four courses we've played since since the break uh, is really really small, and I think we all learned that <laughs> this week. But does it actually does it actually make you better, or do you just treat it like a unpaid practice round and move forward? What do you take out of last week into this coming week? No, I I definitely like I took a ton of notes on Friday while I was busy making bogey and birdie on every other hole. Um, but I, there's, it's a course I do think that you need to play multiple times to kind of get it right and learn where to miss. Cause it's not always in your face. Like there's, there's times where you get penalized for the safe shot. You know, if you, if you bail out left of a pin, you know, a tucked back, right pin, sometimes the miss is actually going for it and missing it long. There's lots of kind of, I don't know, unique stuff about, about the course that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know until you've played it a couple think, times and done it wrong. I think it helps a lot too to play. Like we played in a little bit of wind and there's, uh, I would say four ish holes out there where you can't really feel it. And it's, they're hard. 12 is the hardest short part three we play. And, uh, you know, hitting that shot and knowing that, you know, the ball, if it feels like it's wind off the left, but you know that it's supposed to be down off the left, like you can remember that and then not freak out when you have to, <laughs> like you're not guessing as much, you know, like you actually start to feel it at your home course. If I, if I play the 11th hole of my home course and it feels downwind and then I get to 12 and it feels into the wind, I know that that's that, that what it actually is, that it is like the wind from 11. So you like, don't have to go off of what you feel. You actually kind of have some knowledge and whatever you, anytime you guess or like decommit from a shot, it's just going to, you're going to hit a worse shot. So you're, you're, I just feel like you just become more comfortable, like your own home golf course. I mean, I know we didn't play all four rounds, but we've been out there for four days and we're going to be out there for another two. So I just think the comfort wise is, is nice. I meant the practice rounds. <laughs> well, uh, Joel, Joel, I want to ask you, um, specifically. <laughs> so it's kind of like set, set, you know, like all jokes aside, how do you, um, sort of bounce back when you have a couple rounds that are, you know, pretty, pretty high up North there. Um, how do you sort of clear your mind? And it's so rare that you're playing the same venue twice. How do you just like put that in the rear view mirror? Yeah. I mean, the best thing is just forget it. Do there's ways of doing that. Uh, some people meditate, some people drink white claws. You just try to forget the whole thing. Um, maybe play a game or two. I played golf yesterday. Uh, I tied max, which was a good day for me. Um, so that shows, I mean, I'm not that bad if I can tie max. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think <laughs> I, <missed the cut. laughs> I think the biggest thing is you just every time, and this is hole to hole shot to shot. Like you learn so much from bad golf. Like you don't learn anything when you go out and shoot a bogey free 65, like you learn from the weeks that we had and not just about our games, but like I said about the course, like you don't learn where not to miss it until you've missed it there. You know what I mean? So I hit it in a lot of spots where I'm like, okay, I can't hit it here. And so I feel like I'll be better off. Obviously this week sucked, but going forward, you know, this isn't, obviously we want to play well this week, but we also want to play well at this tournament for the rest of our careers. So it's not necessarily even about just this week. Um, it's about, you know, winning the Memorial at some point in our lives. I think what Mark said too, about the, how with this golf course in particular, if you bail out and you play it safe, you uh, end up being in kind of a worse spot at times, you know, especially if it's on the green. And what I learned from this week, just as far as the golf course goes, and I guess uh, the benefit of playing the week prior to, you know, the, uh, the uh, Memorial is like, I actually hit it quite well this week with my iron still. And, you know, I was trying to be, you know, fat side of the green and, and make sure that I wasn't making a lot of mistakes. And I ended up having a lot of 12 and 15 foot birdie putts that broke four cups. And what I learned is if you feel okay about your, 
your iron game, you might need to take on some shots and, and go at the pin and bring in a little bit of trouble, but at least maximize your chance for birdie. Cause some of these putts from 15 feet, you saw yesterday, the putt Justin Thomas had from left of 18, it, it breaks eight to 10 feet and you're not really going to make very many of them. So at some point you have to sack up and say, I'm going to hit this at the hole. And, and if it goes in the water over time, hopefully I hit more good ones than bad. So I can actually make this, the putt. And for me, I haven't been putting great this uh, restart. So like I can't be sitting there with, you know, three cups out the left putts over and over again, and keep getting mad at myself for missing those. Yeah, I think uh, Jack, Jack's motto is always, you have to play boldly to win. And I think the architecture of this course that was honor. Yeah. Oh, well, but they were friends. So. They were friends. <laughs> but that's, honestly, honestly, Real student that's of the game, saying. Mark. That's what I, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, that's what I was thinking about the whole week. Like every time I bailed out, I got penalized. Every time that's I went really at a pen, like it benefited. Yeah, Even if really I didn't hit the point. shot that I wanted to, I well, look at the three, the three people leading and the, especially the two are the two best iron players on tour minus tiger probably. And they were the ones who shot 19 under crazy. They shot 19 under. Cause you need to also three days without a bogey on that course. <laughs> yeah, JT is insane. You just get unlucky one time like, that you threw a club last week. I threw my first club. I threw my first club of the 2000 in uh, nineteen twenty season. Okay, but Max, you I hope don't remember this, but you and I have been in Columbus together on a golf course, and it was two years ago in the Corn Ferry Finals event, and you hit a horrible shot on Saturday. I was caddying for Mark. You had a horrible, horrible shot on 17 on Saturday and you sprayed your clubs all over the tee box and you went on that Sunday to play great and you got your card back and whatever, eight months later you were winning. So each of you have played about a hundred ish events on tour and it feels like all three of you are starting to figure out how to be pros and put a week like last week aside and, and move forward. When did that happen? Is it something you just learn with reps? Is it like somebody gives you the gift of wisdom? Is it just you get your ass kicked enough, you stop worrying about results? How do you, how do you get to that point where you know really how to be a pro day in, day out? Well, I think like, ironically, when I sprayed those clubs on the tee, as you mentioned, then I don't remember. Um, I just remember all the clubs laid out in an arrow and they pointed forward. And I was like, onward with clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, uh, I don't know, man. Like, you know, <laughs> I think like I was kind of talking to Gito about it today uh, at the round of golf that one of the three of us made. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and Gino and I were talking about like uh, one of the college teams in, in, in like near his hometown and played with the guys. And, you know, it was, it was a smaller, either smaller D1 or D2 school. And somebody asked, like, what do you, what do you, these guys do you think need to get better at? And I think a, a lot of times you think it's going to be some small thing. Oh, you should chip a little bit more. Oh, you need to get a little bit a little bit better at putting I, I, is you actually just have to get better at golf and or you need to see some results. And, and for me personally, I don't know about these guys, but for me, I just started playing better and started seeing how to be better. It wasn't some small like point of wisdom. I mean, sure that comes along the way, but you, if you watch Rory McIlroy hit a golf ball and then you watch the 200th ranked guy on the PJ tour hit a golf ball, like it's different. You can't just be like, Oh, that guy just cleaned up some things. He'd be Rory. I mean, there's a pretty big jump at certain levels. So you need to see your game improve. And so for me going from the corn fairy tour to this, my game improved a lot and it was, you know, some little wisdom things I'm sure help, but for the most part, it was just like refining what I'm doing and, and actually hitting the ball more solid, more often, and then finding 
for me, I kind of found an identity through that. I am a very good iron player. I found that out. So that's how I like structure my game plan. I'm sure everyone has their game plan. Um, but I needed to see that first before I could just come up with that idea, like arbitrarily. I want to hear a little bit about life in the bubble. I want to hear about, you know, how this house came together. So let's just, let's, let's pivot. So fellas, how did the house come together? I mean, we're, I know that we're kind of in this uh, curious moment where everybody's trying to navigate completely uncharted waters and you guys are all sort of finding your way venue to venue. Um, how did this particular house come together between you three guys? Uh, I happened to BRBO this house last year, kind of randomly. It's closest to the golf course. It's um, three bed, three bath and had it last year. And the guy actually reached out to me a couple months ago. He's like, Hey, if they play this event, do you want the house? I said, I would love to. So Max and his wife stayed with us last year. My PT is here as well at Bolt. He stayed with us last year and um, I don't have very many friends and most of my friends who play golf aren't very good. So (laughs) Hubbard was good enough to, to play here. so uh, <laughs> I think it's safe to say I won't be getting any <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, we mostly just like Megan. She's She's been pretty good about this whole thing. That's Mark's wife. So um, it's been good. Uh, it's a great place. Plenty of room. and uh, But there's a little bit like you guys have to trust each other. Well, yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah, that's the good news about it is we are three like good buddies and we know that nobody's, you know, messing around. But at the same time, it's a nice break because I've been in hotels most weeks and just absolutely, you know, lonely, like grinding. And at least this, we, we're all stuck here, but I've had a really good time even before we missed the cut. Like we were like telling stories, having fun. It was the most like human interaction I've had in a while. It was refreshing. And while also knowing that we're not, you know, risking our jobs or, you know, our health, you know, like that it was kind of nice to know that was, you were with a crew that's all, you know, doing, those things too, because that's your highest priority. It, it seemed like the first week guys, maybe the first two weeks guys weren't taking it as seriously as you might've hoped. And the players certainly stepped in as, you know, vocally as, as the tour did. Does it feel like, uh, you guys are in a real bubble now and people are taking it seriously? Yeah, it feels super safe. I played last week because I felt safer being on the road, playing on the PJ tour than I did going home. Max like didn't even go home thing. last week. He yeah, went to, go home. I, Arizona is crazy. So he went to another place to get away from it. So I would argue that the first two weeks, actually players took it quite seriously. I don't know why people kept saying they didn't. I think some I of the protocol was off, but it was kind of frustrating to hear that we aren't taking it seriously because I thought we were really taking it seriously. It's just some of the rules take a minute to get used to. The caddies have to have a, uh, you know, a sanitizing wipe in their hand at all times to take the pin in and out. Um, there's just little things that we're just, it's so second nature. It'll happen. And then it's looked at like, you guys aren't taking this seriously. It's like, you, you need to give us like a, a day to figure this out. Yeah, everyone was and, learning yeah. and so was the tour and the tour had to evolve as well with some of their people. They allowed in like this quote unquote bubble. So I thought the players were taking it quite seriously. And to Mark's, Mark's point and Joel's point, like this has been crazy. Say like I w- if I could have just kept playing or I should have probably just kept playing, I, I would have done that because I, I was sketched out going back anywhere outside of this crew. Cause again, to the point of the house, like I'm around people I know are, that's taking this, like with the, all the caution that I am, which is nice. Whereas if you go anywhere else, you have no idea if anyone cares. So it's, it's difficult to leave this little group because you know, you could be risking health and job and all, all and all that like pretty quickly. So I think that everything here has been really good. Has it changed at all the way you think about the schedule between now and the open? 
Oh, as far as like what we would play? What, what you play and what you don't. Um, I don't know. It's I guess Mark more about the tour championship yeah. for me, I think, is just trying to get in the top 30. I know yep. we're all somewhat close to so this. I mean, I'm, I made a pact this year that I wasn't going to play more than four in a row. And this is my sixth week in a row. <laughs> <laughs> but, this is the, but this is the first time that I've done that. But the, the reason I is because so I also made a pact that I wasn't going to throw a club. And yeah, so your goals are yards. really great this year. Good for you. Uh, no, but I mean, like I, I, I've done, that's something that I've really gotten better at when I first came out of college and was on the web and now Corn Ferry. Uh, I just, I played everything and I didn't really put a lot of thought into my schedule, into my rest, into peaking at certain times. And I've done a really good job of that, but honestly, it it has changed the way I, I think like I just, I feel better being on the road right now. And, you know, we had a lot of time off, like we had time to practice and rest. Like we had, you know, two months off we with the wraparound schedule. Now we never get that kind of time. So I feel rested. I feel ready. Um, so it definitely, I think it does definitely changes the way you think about your schedule. With the success that you guys are having in terms of navigating the bubble, not necessarily the golf, but maybe this week we'll turn everything around where the three of you guys together, you know, you're, you're comfortable with each other. You have this rapport. Are you guys, is it going to be a traveling troop? I mean, are you looking at getting a house together? No, Joel shaking his head. No. <laughs> so it's just as I mean, I think I think we need a little bit better than plus nineteen before we start considering doing this full time. Uh, it is nice to have houses. I don't know, like our, our schedules are going to vary a little bit. Like Max is going to Minnesota. I don't think we are, and then maybe people are going to play Reno. So it's going to scatter a little yeah. bit, and then it just yeah. gets kind of hard to rent places. And so I think this is it was perfect storm for us to have two weeks, one place. Um, it's actually been really nice not to have to fly anywhere. Or, you know, change your, you know, carry around bags and everything. So that part's great, but, um, I don't think the schedule is going to quite work out for the rest of us. And then it's just so circumstantial, but like this group and like, you know, this is like a, a group to keep in mind for all of us. If somebody does come upon a house with the same schedule, like, you know, it's not like we don't like love hanging out with each other. It's just yeah. more like the timing of everything is, is difficult. And, uh, finding a house that's like this good and fits all of us is, difficult so um yeah i mean it's just it is pretty crazy even though we all play a lot of the same events everyone's is, is different enough where it's hard to plan accordingly for this to work out perfectly like it did so max i want to pick up on uh something that you talked about on your podcast which you should say get grip with max home and shane bacon <laughs> but you it sounded like you and mark were talking a bit about you know uh, in in context of the coverage you guys had some ideas for how to cover the tournament differently in a way that would showcase some of the mid-tier guys. And one of the things that you said was, hey, uh, you know, it would be great to see the tour build from the middle as opposed to just from the top. And during the restart, one of the good things is we've gotten to get to know some of the guys further down from that top cluster of players. Um, At the same time, the big story has been Bryson, right? And he's been sucking a lot of the oxygen out of the conversation. But the three guys here each have little bit of brand, right? Max, you've got your pod, you've got your Twitter swing roasting. Joel, you've got the hat 
and and are considered a great interview on tour. Mark, you know, I don't know, you're the short putter guy right now. <laughs> and great flow, great flow with the homeless hubs hair. Yeah. But but I guess my question is 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 there room on tour for guys like you guys to build a little bit of a brand? Or or is the tour still really just about the big story and the guys who who suck the oxygen out of the room? How do you guys think about that? I'm letting Max take this question. I, I have a long-term plan I talked to Mark about and you'll find it out later. But, um, I think a lot of it is to stop for us is to stop leaning on the tour and expecting them to give the mid tier guys, uh, like a leg up. And that's not a dig at the tour. Like that's not their job. People clearly are watching the events to watch the top 10 guys. I would like watch Bryson as well. If I was, you know, someone watching a lot of golf uh, at home during the week, it's, it's exciting stuff. It's different. It's interesting. Um, I think we're maybe a little too close to the tour where I, I obviously have a lot of bias, but I would like more of my friends to be on TV and to be shown and their stories to be exposed. But it obviously doesn't sell uh, to, you know, the networks don't sell that, but that obviously can't be their main focus. I do think that would be helpful long-term for them, but you know, we can, we can do our part to grow our, our brands. We just need to be a little bit more creative, I guess. And, or we just won't, and you can just keep making your money and, and have a great life and, and not worry about not being shown a lot. But I mean, it, it's super frustrating. I've been talking to Mark a lot about this week, but, but both between Hilton head, uh, when he was leading after the first round and, uh, was not shown one time or maybe one time for the whole day, not in a highlight package, not in anything. Uh, and then I only turned on golf on Sunday in Detroit to watch him play. And I had to go play, you know, golf, uh, that day. And it was going to start around there back nine. So I wanted to watch how he started off. And, uh, after four holes, I stopped watching because they didn't show, they showed him hit one, one or two putts. Both times they talked about shortest putter is, which it is in short. And I couldn't <laughs> handle it anymore. Cause I, and again, I'm too close to it. So like, it, it, this is more of a me issue in, in that regard, but I do think that it, they could do a better service to the middle tier, but Every, you know, follow the money. The money clearly doesn't say that that's a priority. So I don't blame them for not doing it. But I mean, if, if it's my livelihood, I'm going to figure out a different avenue to, to ex- like make my branding important because I need, I want to make my money off sponsors and sponsors will only pay me if I am exposed to the public. So if, if the tour is not going to do it as much, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And I think that's what all three of us do a pretty good job of is we have I think good personalities and we're likable guys and that goes a long way. So you just need to get a, you know, your foot in the door here and there, whether it's in podcasts or on social media or, you know, in your few interviews, but you need to show who you are. Because I think that's why a lot of people seem to latch onto us as like, they're kind of dark horse favorite golfers. You know, that's kind of our little brand here. It's like, Oh, you know who my favorite golfer is Tiger Woods, but you know, who my second one is nobody really knows about him, but it's, you know, Joel Damon and Mark Hubbard. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I love those guys. Like that's kind of where we sit. So until we win a bunch, that's where we'll be. So it's on, I guess, us to push that, you know, agenda forward to like do ourselves the service because it's not happening with Simon with PJ Tour. It's really interesting to hear that observation, Max, because one area, and I'm gonna ask this hopefully in a way that does not get anybody in trouble, but I will tell you, each of you guys are very well known in the fantasy DFS gambling community. I hear it all the time on Twitter when I play bad. Well, well, right. And that's why I was, I, I want to touch on that um, for a bit, but do you guys think about that as a, you know, in terms of this idea of, you know, making yourself sort of 
better known. I know it's kind of dicey. You have to be careful, but like that community loves each of you guys. Like it, 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 other than when you have the bad rounds and you have a knucklehead send you a, a tweet, you know, hey, what, what happened today? Um, but a lot of it's in pretty good fun and you guys all have great senses of humor. Um, do you guys think about that sort of channel as a way of, of, you know, sort of getting out there better? Cause like I say, you're well known in those communities. I go back and forth with how, I don't know how famous I want to be. Like, do I really want to put myself out there all the time? Do I want to continually try and grow this brand and be that? Or do I just kind of want to sit back, collect my money and chill on the couch and no one knows who I am? Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too kind of thing. You can't like turn it off and on. Like you're either going to do it or you're not. I think Max has done obviously a great job at it where I'm like kind of in between. I'm like kind of maybe have thought about taking some steps to do better branding wise. And then sometimes like, no, I just, I want to be like Charles Howell who's made the most money in history and no one has any idea who he is. He's never on social media. He just cruises around and makes, you know, whatever he's made 40 million his career or something. Like I'm back and forth between those things. But I think, it's just easiest to be yourself. I have to be kind of a fun, cool guy and most people like me. And so, um, it's just easier to go that route. I think it's just be who you are instead of trying to hide it. The tricky thing with the DFS stuff is we can't say a lot about it. Like I, I, if you ask me how I'm feeling, I literally can't, I like to tweet where somebody said, I picked you to win this week. And I just liked it. So I was like, man, it feels nice not to get you know shit talked about me for like five minutes. It, and so I liked it. And I got an email from the tour saying, Hey, like, we know what you're trying to do, but like, you can't do that. Cause it looks like you're giving inside information. So I get so much, I see so many tweets to me, but to other people saying, Hey, how, how you feeling this week? Uh, you see anybody out there that looks, you know, on, and it's like, man, you know, if, if I was going to grow, if we could grow that way, of course I'd say, Hey, yeah, I play with Mark. I mean, we, I played with Mark two days in a row, right at Hilton Head. And I, if I could have, I would be like, dude, this guy's going to play very, very well because his game looked awesome. And I can't say anything. So then it, that, but then you get the thing like, Oh, why didn't you tell me you weren't feeling good? Like all of that is illegal. Like, so it's hard to grow in that community. So that's why we just constantly get kind of broken down when we don't play well, which again, rightfully so I understand other people, that's their hobby and they're making money, but I don't feel like there's a way to like, grow positively in that community for us. Cause if we right, say too much, you're, to. yeah, you're, yeah. you're like yeah. arrested. I think, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm going to let Nate follow up, but that's kind of crazy, right? Like this is the 21st century. Like every other major sports industry recognizes the fan interest and recognizes the desire for information and shares that information like the NBA announces who the who the refs for a game will be so that you can factor that in the NBA, the NFL, the injury reports and all of the sub levels of, of in information out there. I feel like transparency could be in the tour's best interest. It's definitely in your guys best interest on this this point. So maybe we'll, we'll work on that. We'll just um, ride the tour until they, they start opening it up a little bit. But go go ahead, Nate. I was going to ask them who they like this week. So we're fucked on that one. <laughs> but guys, so maybe a weird week to play the same course twice, but you got a whole different crew of golfers coming in and it's Jack's tournament for all that blah, blah. We're going to hear a lot about it this week, but does it feel different to you this week than last given the sort of, uh, you know, hallowed ground and exclusivity of the field and all that? Can you tell this is a different show than last week? There's one guy that's showing up this week that wasn't there last week, and his name's Tiger Woods. And that guy can be on property and super vibe. It just changes everything. If he's in the locker room, if he's in the lunchroom, it changes. And when he's on the range, you just feel a different vibe with Tiger Woods around. 
and it's the coolest thing in the world. So uh, yeah, it'll be different. And then you have I don't Rory and DeChambeau and every the best are all going to be here. So yeah, yeah Tiger, but Tiger's the Tiger could show up to a Friday Skins game and you feel some you know so different. Like that's just his aura, and that's why everyone loves when he shows up, players and fans. So. Yeah, that makes everything feel big. If he if, if Tiger played the workday, it would feel like whatever this you know next week's gonna feel like. I think that's just what he does. It all feels more like a major, you know. Even when I think I first turned pro, I don't know about you guys, but my first time playing in a tournament Tiger played in wasn't until maybe Tory, and I remember Tory felt right. enormous, like it was weird because I played maybe seven events before that, and yeah, some of it's the fall and it hadn't been big yet, but I played some events that you you know you remember watching on TV, and all of a sudden you get to Tory and Tiger's there, and you're like wow this is the PGA tour. And it's just, there's no reason to actually feel that way except for him. So yeah, I mean, that's the, exactly why it feels a little different um, because this past field I thought was great. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, obviously didn't have Bryson who's the hot topic in Rory, but I mean, I had Xander and Justin and Colin and all the guys. So I thought the field was pretty good. The field felt pretty, pretty damn good. So uh, yeah, one guy moves that needle. He is a needle. Yeah, he's he is. <laughs> Have you, any of you guys played with Tiger? Yeah, Max and I have. Oh yeah, I was supposed to last year, <laughs> literally in this house. And I'm grinding the, uh, I'm grinding uh, Thursday, Friday, or the Friday round. And I am paired with Tiger, like two people to go. And all I need is no one to make a birdie. And Kevin Kisner made a 35 foot birdie putt on the last hole to bump me out of Tiger's group and into this slap dicks group. <laughs> and I'm staying with him in the house. And I've been just so outwardly disappointed. Oh. <laughs> Did you tell Kiz that he owes you a couple cases of beer or something? No, he wouldn't care. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. Well, well, Damon, how about it? How, I mean, it's it's one thing to have Tiger in the tournament. It's a whole different thing to be walking in in that threesome or twosome. Um, how was that experience? It was the coolest day of my life, besides my wedding. My wife was right over there. Uh, it was by far the coolest day of my golfing career. Like it's, I don't know. You get the text night before you're like watching the leaderboard and just, I was like face. I was so nervous, hardly slept. Uh, tiger tracker pulled up a tweet of mine talking about how he couldn't hit a driver in the fairway, like from years ago. So then I woke up to my phone blown up. So then I had that whole thing, but we were actually playing well. I was also like on the bubble of 125 with like five or six events to go, and I needed to play well. And I'm like, man, this is a really bad time to play with Tiger. Like, it's the top 10, <laughs> and I need to play well. But uh, just the amount of people and the energy is like, it can't, it's like playing a football stadium on every wall. It's like, and it's, it couldn't have been better to play with. He was nice. We both played pretty well. I lost to him by one, but I was a uh, plus one and a half in Vegas. So he took me. <laughs> You're I, th- I think it is going to be weird this week, though, just seeing him teeing off with, with just no one around. He's probably going to love it. Like, it's just, yeah, he's probably going to He's probably going to win. But it's, I mean, I remember uh, the first event, like I watched uh, Jordan, I think Jordan, Justin, and Ricky were all paired together at Colonial or something like that. And just watching them tee off with zero people around the tee box yeah. was kind of a weird. One of the craziest things I've ever seen was at Tory. It might've been either the year I was talking about before, or one year later, but Tiger, Ricky and Billy Horschel were all two groups in front of me in the same group. And the first day there was a fog delay on the putting green. And there must've been, it's not a very large putting green. And there must've been three to 5,000 people crammed in this area, just watching Tiger stand there. The next day, he so he withdrew that afternoon because he hurt his back. The next day, with the exact same fog delay, 
uh, and everyone's standing on the green. And I am no joke. There was 22 people standing around that putting green and it was still Ricky Fowler. Like it wasn't like some, like, you know, nobody like, me. yeah, it wasn't just me out there. Like this, it made no sense. And, and yeah, so it's going to be odd to see him with, with nothing. I mean, I, I, yeah, he must love it. I, I can't imagine how excited he is to not have to deal with what he must deal with every day. He's clearly still the guy. But there's another guy who, Max, you've been calling for a while, who won this past week in Morikawa. And you've you've had a little bit of insight with him because of the Cal connection, I gather. I guess my question to you guys is, are there like 20 golfers like him coming through the pipeline who are just going to be better because of the benefit of video and technology and fitness that you know you guys maybe didn't have when you were coming up? Or is he really one of those once in a generations and everybody doesn't have to adapt their game to play better? I think the floor uh, these days with all the young guys coming up is way, way higher than when I came up or, or when, you know, obviously when Tiger came up, I think that's a huge difference, but I, that kid's ceiling's dumb. Like he doesn't have one. So he's, he's better than, he's better than people think he is. And people think he's pretty good. Like he'd be number two in the world if the device in the world rankings was whatever got to 40 yeah. events. So like he is top five in the world, I think no doubt. So but, but, there's not just tons of other him. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great golfers. Yeah. That's, that's some special. He, he, if he never gets better at his irons for the rest of his career, he'll probably go down in history as the one or two best iron player of all time. Like that's maybe three. Like I, I didn't get to watch Jack Nicholas play, but I mean, every single number they're throwing out with his ball striking stats is like almost the same as Tigers. And it's, that's remarkable. I know it's a small sample, but I have seen this for two other years now. Like watching him in college, it was just the same thing. He's just gotten better everywhere else. Like he's been doing this. I haven't seen anything different. Every time I play with him, it looks the same as the first time I watched him. And that does not mean that he's not progressing. I just don't know how much better you can get at hitting a golf ball. Like he just is the same thing every time there's one other guy i've seen be like this consistent it's someday am but even like i don't know there's something I, i'm biased because i've known Colin a little longer but i mean it's just like a robotic in, in a in a good way like it just looks super easy and super and, and yeah you come to a memorial in this or in your field this course is super demanding into the greens and it's like wow <laughs> like to all the dfs people out there that picked us like like this one was obvious like <laughs> to have Colin on your team. So if you didn't, I should get to make fun of you for being bad at your job. Because like that was the most obvious pick of all time. Anywhere Tiger Woods plays good, Colin Moore Cowell will play good. Like they have the same style game with the iron. So just like that and that that's a high compliment and I truly mean it. It's pretty, pretty amazing. I will say that for the record, I had Colin Morikawa in my fantasy lineup and I did not have either of you guys. I just, Hell oh, yeah. I, I just <laughs> lost money on you. I, I lost money on you, but I didn't have you in my fantasy. Um, I it, It's funny to hear you make that distinction between Morikawa and his, I think of his peers, Wolf and Hovland, you know, that, that class that all came together and so incredibly accomplished already for three, you know, 21, 22 year olds, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, crazy to watch them come out and do what they did last <laughs> summer. And not this easy. <laughs> no, it's not. But there's a, it's just the game's so young and people are so good. It's like, I feel old at 32 and it's weird because I'm not. <laughs> but it's, and so when you look at that, is there anything that you guys have to do to evolve your game based on what you see coming up to stay on for the next 15 years? I need to hit it further. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, are you just mentally in a place where you know that if you keep doing what you're good at, 
you're going to be able to stay there and, and you just got to play your game. Yeah. I think Mark and I we have a pretty similar game as far as not bombing. Max can hit it out there pretty far, but I have still low hanging fruit with my wedges and my putting. And if I take care of those things, that would get me probably top 50 in the world. And I can cruise there for a while with my game. Um, my ceiling is probably about that. Maybe Kisner esque would be like my ceiling where a guy like Max who hits it further and has kind of a higher and can mash it. Like that ceiling is just going to go higher for him. Like he's to go top 10 in the world. Thanks, man. But I, I'll never get there. I can get to like Kisner, which is pretty cool. Right. And Mark's arms are half the size of a normal human. So I think 285 <laughs> is about <Wow>. his max. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's, uh, he's been stoked about the quarantine because all the high-fiving really wears off his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've been very, very appreciative of all, all the time uh, from you guys. I want to ask about, you know, in the house, anytime a, a group of guys is together, a natural kind of dynamic occurs. Some, uh, there's always, like, somebody, each guy has his role. Everybody kind of plays a different role. Damon, I'm just going to throw out there as the den mother because she got the house and then invited you guys. What 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 are the what are the roles, Max? What's your role in the house? I've always just been a soldier, so whatever den mother says, I do. <laughs> um, I like to follow. Uh, I'm a troop. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like lead the charge anywhere. But if the charge starts to go somewhere, I will file in and and proceed uh, as expected. Uh, but it's that was a long like. <laughs> Did you make the tea time this morning? I did. I, Not to brag. <laughs> I, I didn't make it. I woke up at 1130 and was like, oh no. <laughs> My phone's at 0%. The tea time is 930. That's about all the info that the DFS community could possibly want coming out of this. <laughs> I think you guys know what to do. We also are not having another drink until Friday. Aren't we, Good. Mark? <laughs> <laughs> we can't do any better than that. Uh, thanks to all you guys for coming on today. And, and best of luck this week. We are not taking you. you, you we your are names definitely will not, not appear taking in our you. I'm going to make, make you eat that. So Please do. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, I promise I'll beat my score from last week. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a line in Vegas? Are we allowed to know that? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want. To <laughs> uh, you guys are the best. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot, fellas. Good luck. Thanks Thanks for having us. Guys. All right, fellas. Thank you. All right, my par-saving pals, there we go. Our thanks again to Max Homa, Mark Hubbard, and Joel Damon for coming on and sharing a little bit of perspective with us. My thanks, as always, to our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard. 
We'll be back next week. There's going to be a winner of this Memorial Tournament. I'm hoping it's Bryson DeChambeau with 20 under or one of our boys. How about Mark Hubbard or Max Omar or Joel Damon taking it down? Until next week, my par-saving pals, let's hit them straight out there. 